Well, good morning, Downtown Harvard Church. I am so excited to be with you this morning. If I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you, like Adam said, my name is Christina Cooper, one of the founders of DHC. Worn a handful of hats as you do in a church plant, uh, kids ministry, worship ministry, but now I have the pleasure of still getting to be involved remote from my home in Tampa. I still help John and Adam with the messages that you hear each week. So now I get to be here in person. I'm so honored, so thanks for being here. We're going to dive in. We are in week two of a series we are calling Extraordinary, where we are looking at the extraordinary life of an ordinary man named Peter. And last week, John talked about Peter's decision to follow Jesus, a decision that would take him on a once in a lifetime journey to see Jesus teach these amazing messages and heal the sick and perform crazy miracles and so much more. But in between last week and this week, something really important happened. In Matthew 10, Jesus tells the disciples that this is no longer a spectator sport, that it's time for them to get in the game and that he actually gives them some of the same powers that he has to perform miracles. It says in Matthew 10, Jesus is speaking. He says, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near, so heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, Freely you have received, freely give. Freely you have received this amazing power from me. Now go and don't be stingy, give it away, heal people. So I can just imagine the disciples hearing this and they're like, okay, we've, we've seen Jesus do all these things. We thought we were just gonna be like watchers and write it down, right? And it's like, okay, we actually get to do this as well. I would think they had wide eyes and just total excitement and we see some of that excitement with Peter in our story today. So our story starts in Matthew 14. Peter and the disciples had just finished feeding more than 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. So it was already a pretty eventful day, but the eventful day continued. Because it says immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, Jesus went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. I kind of think Jesus was probably exhausted. Like he just directed these huge crowds. He fed thousands of people using his miraculous power. And actually, we also learn that on this day, it was a really sad day for Jesus and the disciples because John the Baptist, who was Jesus's cousin and a dear friend, um, was horribly murdered by King Herod. And so I kind of imagine that Jesus also wanted to be by himself to go and mourn what had happened that day. So while Jesus is by himself, it says, meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. So Jesus is up there. Meanwhile, it's a panic scene for the disciples. And this was not the first time that they were in a small boat in a big storm. Because a couple chapters ago, we learned that Jesus was with them and the disciples were in the same situation. It was a horrible storm, but Jesus is sleeping and they're like, wake up, Jesus, please help us. And they learned that Jesus calmed that whole storm just by speaking to the storm. He could just calm it with his voice. But this time, in this situation in Matthew 14, Jesus isn't there. So they are totally panicked. And yes, they've been told that they have some of the same powers as Jesus, but they can't really think about that right now because they're looking at the strong wind and the heavy waves. But that's when Jesus enters the scene. 
It says, about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on water. You know, I don't know why he didn't take a boat. (laughs) You know, there were probably other more conventional ways to get to the disciples, but he decides he's going to walk on water to them. Why not? He can do it. Um, But of course, that scene totally caught the disciples off guard. It says, when the disciples saw him walking on water, they were terrified. And in their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. This is like, it's three o'clock in the morning. This is the only logical scenario. (laughs) But Jesus spoke to them at once. He said, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. And then Peter called out to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on water. I like to believe that Peter puts two and two together here because he's like, okay, if Jesus can do this impossible thing, maybe I can do it too. I like that he takes initiative and comes up with this miracle. I think it's a super cool display of his faith because he's putting into practice what he's seen Jesus do, what he's learned, and what he now believes about his faith. He's ready to do the impossible. And Jesus is all for it. He says, yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat, and he walked on the water toward Jesus. Like He's doing it. He, he's like, okay, let me walk on water. And he's literally walking on water. I I can't imagine the adrenaline running through his veins. He took this crazy step of faith. His eyes are locked on Jesus, and he's literally doing the impossible. But then things go south. It says, but when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. What changed? It says he saw the strong wind and the waves, but those were there before. So why is he now sinking? I just believe that the storm was the same, but it's his focus that changed because it says he saw. When his eyes and his focus were on Jesus, he was walking on water. But when his focus was on the storm, he started to sink. And isn't that an incredible picture when we really sit back and think about that? Because when we're consumed or fixated on the reality of the storm, we start to lose our faith in the impossible. The storm was the same in both scenarios. It's Peter's focus that made all the difference. And so Peter starts to sink, and he shouts, Save me, Lord, Peter shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. And as I read this more and more, the immediately eventually stuck out to me because Jesus wasn't trying to make some lesson here. He wasn't going to let him, like, flounder in the failure of this moment. He wasn't going to let him drown a little bit or even splash around. (laughs) Jesus immediately reaches out, grabs him, and saves him because he loves him. But in his love, he does also say when Peter gets back in the boat, you have so little faith, Jesus said, why did you doubt me? And at first, I feel like when we read this, we think this is kind of uncomfortable. Like this is an awkward response. You know, it feels a little like a harsh rebuke. But original translations do tell us that this is more meant to be playful. It's not as harsh as it might come across in our language today. But still, I think that Jesus is disappointed because in that moment, Peter's faith became less about Jesus and more about the surroundings, the circumstances around him. I think that's why his question is, why did you doubt me? To wrap up our story, it says, when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God they exclaimed. 
This is such a loaded story. There's so much that we could talk about it. It's a pivotal moment in Peter's life and in his journey of faith. Like if I was with them back in the day and I was the scrapbooker, this would be where I'd get the sticker, like baby's first miracle. Like, oh, so exciting. This is such a big moment in Peter's life. And yes, kind of a failure. (laughs) But let's be honest, there's only two people that have ever walked on water. So I think there's something to say about that. One of the things that this story shows us today is that we can do more with God than we can do on our own. It might sound like a Christian cliche, like we know the verse, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But do we actually live that out? Or do we just know that and we think that that sounds nice? Because I'll give Peter this. He knew about his faith and he knew what he was capable of and he did something about it. So props to him for taking that step. Because he shows us that ordinary people can do the impossible through God. Peter wasn't trained differently. He wasn't born differently. He's a regular guy who just put his faith into action. Now, for us, that might mean, you know, we might not be going out to the nearest body of water and trying to walk on it. That's not necessarily the take home for today. But what step is God calling you to take? One that you can't do on your own. Maybe is it having that friend in mind whenever you think about your faith and you know you've been meaning to share your faith with them, but it just kind of seems scary? Maybe it's just choosing to volunteer in kids' ministry and just knowing that by pouring into the next generation, you can go outside your comfort zone but make such a difference. It could even be something here in Fort Lauderdale, just in your local community, a need that you know you are supposed to meet, something that God has been putting on your heart to do. You have no idea what hangs in the balance of your decision to do what God is calling you to do. And I get it. It's terrifying at times because we're taking a step outside of our comfort zone. I'll be honest, I'm doing that right now because coming up here and speaking, you know, I don't speak each week like John does. And so this is totally out of my wheelhouse. And yet, you know, I'm taking that step because I feel like that's something that God has called me to do. And, you know, we don't always get to know when we take these steps. We don't always get to know, oh, it was some big success, like check, that worked out great. We don't always know the difference that we're going to make. And so sometimes when you are taking that step, you you just have to hope that it's making a difference. And one thing I will tell you, I've had the opportunity to speak sometimes at these elementary church camps. And um, I was there this, this summer speaking to them. And elephant in the room, you don't normally see women in positions like I'm in right now. That's not normal at all churches. And I'm so grateful that at DHC, that's something that they value. And so I was at this church camp and I had a leader come up to me and say that their young girls, their fourth grade girls, thought it was so cool that they saw a girl like them upstage speaking about Jesus and that they had not seen that before. And that just made my heart explode. And, you know, I don't, you don't always know what you're going to be able to make when, when you're looking at the impact that you make, but you also don't know what hangs in the balance of your decision not to. And so just know that if you aren't taking that step and putting yourself out there to do the impossible thing that God is calling you to, I believe you're missing out. I believe if you are sitting back in the boat, you are missing out. And life can be so much fuller and have so much more purpose when you take the courageous steps of faith that God is calling you to. Don't fall into the trap of today's culture where it's all about meeting our needs and like serving our comforts, getting things as easy and as fast as we can with as minimal effort possible. 
I promise you, serving our God, though it might be more inconvenient at times, serving our God is going to bring you so much more fulfillment and excitement than serving your comforts ever will. Another thing that we learn from today's story is that impossible situations require unwavering focus on Jesus. Because here's the thing with doing the impossible. It's only impossible because of our God who can do the impossible. It has nothing to do with what we can do, and that's why all the glory goes to him. We cannot go through impossible situations in our own abilities. We have to stay plugged in to the source. And it's not just plugging in, you know, looking at him one time. It has to be that unwavering focus, that continual focus on him as the one who gives us the strength to do it. Because I think sometimes our issue is that sometimes we take the first step with faith, but then we try to keep walking on our own. We do the right thing. We sign up for that thing we feel called to. We sign up for something outside our comfort zone, but then we try to carry it out on our own. And maybe we just get overwhelmed with logistics and we forget where our focus is supposed to be, but that's a recipe to crash and burn. Because in our story, like even if Peter tried his hardest, he could not walk on water by his own means. Like it is not natural (laughs) what he was doing. He had to rely on Jesus. And I think, in my opinion, as I'm thinking about the story, that's kind of what I think might have happened, is maybe he was walking towards Jesus, and then maybe like a wind gust came, and it kind of knocked him off balance. And so suddenly, as he's taking that next step, he's thinking about it more. Like, is overthinking relatable? Uh, Maybe he starts overthinking it, and he's like, should I be putting my pressure this much? Like, where exactly should it be? Where should my weight distribution be? And suddenly, he's thinking way too much about how he's doing the impossible, rather than who is the one giving them the ability to do the impossible. And so my question for you is, what impossible situation are you trying to go through on your own? What step of faith have you taken, and then you've gotten caught up in what it entails, and you feel so out of your league? Or maybe it's not necessarily a step you're taking, but it's a storm that you feel like you're in, a storm that you feel like is attacking you. And at first, it's easy to say, God's got it. Everything's going to be fine. God's got it. But then as time keeps going on, wind keeps hitting you, waves keep hitting you, the storm's not subsiding. It kind of feels like Jesus is absent, and you feel like your prayers just aren't getting answered. Then do we just start to think, okay, all right, I'm on my own. I've got to do this on my own. The truth is, though, when we are beyond our abilities, that's where God can do the biggest work in our lives and get the most glory in our lives. So stop trying to do whatever you're trying to do on your own and call out to him. Because as soon as Peter called out to Jesus, it says Jesus was immediately, immediately there. There was no hesitation. And so I promise you, when you call out to Jesus, he is immediately there with you in the storm. But I think that truth, is actually sometimes what trips us up. Because we think that if Jesus was with me, then I would not be in this chaotic storm. When really the the fact of the matter is that that's not the case. We are told that there is going to be trouble and chaos and storms in this life. So God being there doesn't mean the storm goes away. It just means he's there and he's working, even in the storm. God is working even in the storm. This is a promise. We have to take him at his word and believe that he is working behind the scenes in ways that we can't see, answering prayers you might not even know to ask for. 
But if he's brought you through the storm before, he can do it again. And he says he can turn anything into good, even the darkest moments. Because this world is broken. And so there's going to be broken things that happen. But the good news is that we know how God's big story ends. So even when the storm is raging and you feel that focus pull to, to be about all the bad things happening, try to refocus on him because he will sustain you even when you're facing the impossible. Lastly, I want you guys to know this. Your failures and doubts do not define your faith journey. Because this miracle, in a way, ended up being a bit of a disaster. <laughs> and yes, <clears throat> Jesus rebukes Peter, but that's only because he knows what Peter is capable of and he wants to grow his faith for what's to come. Because you guys are in for a treat as we continue to talk about <clears throat> Peter in this series. Because Peter has amazing things ahead of him. He becomes known as the rock of the church. And in the book of Acts, we learn that he performed so many miracles. He healed so many people. And that doesn't just happen overnight. That happens because of moments like this. Moments where maybe you fail, but he bounced back. He didn't let that stop him. And there's this great quote that's actually from Abraham Lincoln that I have always loved because I just think it's, it's really good. It's, my great concern is not whether you have failed, but whether you are content with your failure. Don't let failure take you out of the game. Don't let failure and don't let, don't let contentment <laughs> define your failure. That I am so glad that Peter did not stop and think, well, that was embarrassing. I'm never going to try something like that again. <laughs> it was amazing that Peter took that step. And because of that, he learned that he had a long way to go and he needed his faith to grow to become the miracle worker that Jesus needed him to be. The truth is our God is a God of second and third and fourth and hundredth chances. Everything that happens, even the hard things, can be building our faith as followers of Christ as long as we let it grow us and not stop us. And that's not to say that we go through hard things because God is trying to teach us something. That is absolutely not what I'm saying. We go through hard things because this is a broken world. And so broken things are going to happen. But luckily, we serve a God who can make good even out of the broken. I mean, think about it. The fact that the context of this whole story today is actually the same day that John the Baptist was murdered. John the Baptist, someone who was close to Jesus, someone who he was on earth and he can stop things like this. And it kind of begs an uncomfortable question. Why didn't Jesus stop that murder from happening? But my faith is not based in my ability to answer the why questions like that. My faith is based in the fact that I know who my God is and I know he's writing a bigger story, one where we do know the ending and we win. There's a quote that my dad always said to us growing up, and it's, life is not about waiting for storms to pass. It's about learning to dance and sing in the rain. It's not about figuring out how to avoid storms because those are inevitable, but it's learning how to cling to God and keep your focus on him as you walk or dance in the storm. So with that said, what's the practical? Every week we put this word on the screen because we want you to know what you can do on Monday with what you heard today on Sunday. I had an old pastor who always used to say, you're either coming out of a storm, you're in the middle of a storm, or you're about to go into a storm. And that's not to be foreboding, but it's just to say essentially that storms are a part of life. 
And the interesting thing is that when we're in the middle of a storm, we forget that God was there with us in the last one. I mean, that's exactly what happened to Peter and the disciples. They forgot that God, in their scenario, literally calmed the last storm that they were in. And so if you find yourself in the middle of a storm, I would challenge you to do something the disciples did not. (laughs) Remember your victories. Remember the times that God has come through for you. Remember that God brought you through the last one, and yes, you might feel a little banged up and bruised, but he's still working. I believe one of the most powerful tools we have against fear and hopelessness is remembering the victories that God has given us. Because the truth is we can be short-sighted when we're in a storm, and I think that's something the enemy uses against us because he knows it's human nature to forget the good and remember the bad. So you have to intentionally, in this moment, tell yourself, if God made a way in the past, he can do it again. Because I know things can get really dark and really scary, and you might not be able to find good in the situation you're in right now. But you don't have to. You don't have to find the answers. You just have to know the truth that God is the God of the impossible. He is not forsaking you. He is with you. And he's a way maker. So let him move. The story is not over. And we're not the first people to struggle with this. This for thousands of years has been something God knows about us. And there's this, I'm going to take us back because there's this cool verse I've always loved. It was actually God talking to the Israelites because he had just, he was helping them get to the promised land. And if you know in the scriptures, you know that that was a very long period. They thought their storm was going on way too long. And God had just parted the sea for them in the Jordan River. And unlike last time, he wanted the Israelites this time to remember that event and to remember that victory. And so he told each of the leaders to go and get a stone from the dry ground that they walked on. And he said this to his people. He said, we will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? And then you can tell them they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. And I don't know, I've just always loved this and resonated with this because I'm someone who does like when items can have sentimental value. Like, I don't know if you've ever kept like a ticket stub or a card or something that has just had sentimental meaning to you. Like maybe it represented a relationship or a milestone or a moment that was important to you. And if we do that with our personal moments, what if we did that with our God moments? What if we had items or even just wrote down so we had a list of the times that God came through for us so that when we are surrounded by the storm and it seems chaotic and it's hard to see through it, we could have a physical uh, representation, something to recite or reference that reminds us how good God has been to us in the past. Because when we remember how good he's been to us in the past, we can have hope for our present. So my question to you is, what are your memorial stones? Really actually answer that this week. I would just be so thrilled if each person here spent five minutes thinking back through your life, thinking back through the prayers that he has answered, the storms that he has calmed. Chances are you are living out an answered prayer right now. So imagine if you could easily reference those next time things got scary. Create those memorial stones. Don't lose sight of the storms that he has calmed in the past. And lastly, my challenge to you is to choose to believe in the impossible, even if that feels naive. 
Because we are called to reframe our reality, not around our surroundings or our circumstances, but solely around who God is and what he can do. A couple weeks ago, if you were here, Adam talked about childlike faith. And that's kind of like what this is. It might seem childlike to choose to believe in the impossible and to have that hope and optimism for what God can do, but that's what we're called to do. We're called to take God at his word and choose to believe even when it feels impossible. So stop denying that good can come from the situation that you're in. Take that step of faith that God is calling to, keeping your eyes focused on Jesus through it all because he is the one who sustains and empowers you so that you can truly do the impossible. We're going to close out service with a worship song, and uh, there's three lyrics in it that I think are really perfect and powerful for what we've talked about today. It's a song called More Than Able, and the first part here says, when did I start to forget all the great things you did? Just like not remembering the past victories that are so powerful when we have those in our tool belt. It says, when, next slide, when did I throw away faith for the impossible? When did I let the cynical part of human nature take over? Our circumstances cannot define our hope. It can only be our God who defines our hope. And lastly, why do I talk myself out of seeing miracles? Because isn't that what we do sometimes? We think that's naive, that's childlike. But no, I know I've seen miracles in my own life, little ones, even big life-saving ones. But... I've also had crushing disappointment, and we've all had those moments of doubt. But we have to pick ourselves back up, not let that define our faith journey or stop us. Because when we refocus on Jesus, we can keep walking through that and know that there are good things to come because he's our God, and he is the God of the impossible. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for the true honor of being able to speak your word today. I pray for everyone in this seats. You know, I have no idea what storm someone here could feel like they're in. And I just pray, God, that whatever they are fighting, whatever they feel like is impossible, that you would just wrap your arms around them and remind them that you are with them, even if that doesn't look the way they thought it would. Because you've given that you've given that promise to us, Lord, and that is what we can root our feet in, we can know that good things can come, we can have hope, we can cling to you and know that you're guiding us through the storm, that there is good to come, that we can have hope. So Lord, would you just please work in the hearts of each person here? And if there's someone here who doesn't know that hope that you can provide, would you just reveal yourself to them today? Because having you in our life is such a game changer. It gives us so much peace to know there's someone who cares, someone who loves, someone who sacrificed it all so that we could have relationship together, so that we could have hope and we know what's to come, that even in death we are victorious. Lord, we're so grateful for all you've given us. It gives us the ability to get out of bed and just be grateful for all the things. We love you, Lord. We know you are more than able in our lives, and we pray this all in your great name.